Hey everybody, the con artist here. It's winter 2021, so we're here to talk about all the shows we covered in this core and how they went down. Uh, all of us are here today, so there's me, Sue, Scott, hello, Dan, hello, and Brendan. Hello. The whole gang is here to talk about shows. Brendan, you made it. We weren't sure you were going to watch stuff this season. I uh took a little bit of a break but tried to tried to cram in a couple of things near the end there nice nice yeah, well done sweet deals all right so what is on the docket first y'all you know i'm going to uh kick it off with uh the third season of log horizon which you know what do i like to say about this it's more log horizon like it's been at least a decade since i was like yes yeah, when I'd have to go back through our core discussions, but you talked about Log Horizon ages ago. Yeah, and even that was watching it, like, well after it had come out. So, I mean, Log Horizon's been out for a while. So, it was a good surprise. Uh, even more surprising, it continues just right where the previous show left off as if there had never been a break. Uh, just to think to their credit. Uh there's a lot of interesting stuff going on in the world, and there's the outlines of sort of the broader plot uh, are coming into focus. Like, this isn't a standard isekai or kids get trapped in a video game. There's a lot more behind it, and we're sort of starting to see what that looks like. Uh, it continues to do a really good job of taking care of its very large ensemble cast. And even if they never get another season, there are at least some resolutions to some of the romantic subplots that had sort of been left unresolved all this time uh for stuff i it was a little harder to enjoy like this can be pretty hard to get into if you didn't just see seasons one and two there is zero hand holding to explain how we got here there's no like recap or anything nothing just go nothing just boom it's like it never left uh and perhaps not helping the case is that the first half of the show this season is this dense, dense political maneuvering with no action scenes at all. Uh, it probably isn't the right way to grab people's interest after such a long hiatus. Like maybe it is what came next in the story, but it felt a little bit like walking uphill trying to remember who all these people were and what all the various political machinations were. Does uh, any of it feel like dated? Because I mean, if we're talking about something that came that where the last season came out like a decade ago, I'm just wondering: does any of it feel? Do any of the characters or any of the any of the material feel like it's kind of stuck in a previous era of anime, or have they? Does it really? Does it really flow pretty seamlessly? Hmm, that is an interesting point. Uh, I feel like they may have dropped some elements like of, of various characters sort of uh i don't know like their personalities that may not have fit as well with the you know currently but the rest of it seems to have flowed in pretty well i mean isekai continues to be a popular genre that's true and these guys were doing it kind of back when it was more i'm trapped in an mmo but uh you know they're still doing a really good job of that so no i don't think there was anything that felt too out of place uh, it's weird. I like a little bit of that, but that Scott, that sounds like watching paint dry. <laughs> like, oh, well, like I said, the first half, the second half was actually plenty of action. You know, there's basically a raid boss, and they go fight the raid boss, uh, and they have to get ready for that. It's basically like they they spend the time to focus on essentially a whole group of sub, you know, non-main characters that haven't gotten a lot of time on screen, uh, and they get kind of their own half of the season. Uh, now, perhaps the trouble with that is some of the characters that are like in the theme song barely got a minute on screen all season. Like there's there's so many characters in this show and there just isn't time for them all. But I mean, they're they're sticking to their guns, I guess. They're like, all right, these guys get an arc next time. These guys get an arc. So no, it was it was pretty good and remarkable that they could pick it up and have it feel like they never left. Is it still going, Scott, or is it left off in a place where you're going to wait another decade for season four? I haven't really checked the production side stuff. I mean, it did, It did, like I said, it tied up a couple of romantic subplots and ended at, a, at the end of an arc. So it's primed to either continue or not. I don't know what that'll look like. 
obviously the broader plot is not you know complete so they could certainly continue makes sense so that sounds yeah. like one of those like you're either in it or you're not you can't jump into this one no absolutely do not jump into log horizon season three if you haven't seen one and two i mean it is they come as a package there's no way to even understand who these people are if you haven't seen seasons one and two nice nice but you know if that's what you've been waiting for this is it a decade later yeah very nice very nice all right um i will take next i guess with uh tenchi sozo design boo or heaven's design team uh this is actually special thank you to scott i had i glossed clean over this show when we were looking at stuff to watch uh and uh scott you and and your significant other were watching this and you were like you guys have got to give this a try so i said okay uh, it was good, too, because it broke up a lot of stuff I was watching this season. is very serious, and so it was nice to break it up with something very soft. Um, and soft this show is. So the premise is uh, God created the world in six days and was just like, Ugh, I should create the people and the animals, but too lazy. I'm going to contract. Yeah, I'm going to contract that workout. Uh, to the angels and I'm just going to give them weird instructions and they're going to make me animals uh, and so the the angels just get these instructions and they have to like think about how to design whatever animal has been asked for I actually found this show really creative uh, it's it's a little bit funny in that you know that the characters try and explore uh, you know, how certain things would work on creatures. So you get these very, like, odd-looking animals. But they do such a neat job of explaining, like, why certain things wouldn't work. And, uh, like, a great example is there's one guy on the team who's obsessed with horses. Like, he invented the horse, and that's his big claim to fame. Uh. Uh, and he's like, okay, now everything I make has to have, like, horse as a base. And so he tries to make like the unicorn and he tries to make the Pegasus and they have these fantastic discussions about why like something as large with the bone density of a horse cannot possibly fly. And they're like, yeah, that's not a thing. Or why something so simple as like growing a horn is incredibly difficult on the body from a calcium deficit perspective. I actually think minus some of the episodes where like the one character Pluto gets really fixated on like genitalia I think it's a great show to show like high schoolers or something to get them interested in zoology Dan I don't know what you thought but I I learned so many fascinating facts about animals in addition to learned a ton about animals I never knew existed so and it's just it's soft and cute and I laughed a lot and I was endlessly fascinated by what I was learning yeah, no, I was uh, I was also enjoying it. it for my favorite thing was trying to guess at what animal they were trying to, yes. they were going to end up with because <laughs> they'd be given incredibly basic or vague instructions. Like they complain, as someone who has worked contract roles, it is also very uh, cathartic to see a group of people being given like really vague instructions and then having to bodge together something that meets the requirements or like things getting approved when they think they're halfway finished. Um, because God is just not a very good client. It's, but uh, <laughs> the best yeah, part about it, that is like the he's not the devil, but like the guy who works in hell at the hell oh, amusement yeah. park is a wonderful client. He gives like he gives sketches. He gives like okay, well here are our limitations and here are our needs. What can we make? What can we make happen with this? And they love working with him. They're so excited every time he shows up because he's so <laughs> much better to work. That's for. a fun dynamic. Yeah, he's he's really cute. And he just loves everything they make, and it's it's really adorable. Yeah, but they're like, oh, how about a bird that doesn't lay eggs? Or um, was it an animal that can run without legs or something like weird like that? And they're always like, oh, Jesus, what can we use based on the animals we already have? Well, that won't work. And like it gets to the point where you were talking about the horn and like things with the skeletal structure. It gets to the point where by the end it's like, is it osteoporosis again? No, right. no, this time it's just heat stroke. Right. Is it osteoporosis? Is it heat stroke? Is it 
Uh, Welcome to the square cube law. Here's why you can't make an animal just bigger. Right, right. Like when they totally trashed King Kong, which was hilarious. They're like, no, it can't be that large. But just, I don't know, some really, really fascinating things you would never think about. Like the one episode where they have the giraffe and they're just desperately trying to figure out how to make the giraffe work. And the big problem is, I mean, first of all, structurally supporting a neck that long with the rest of the body. And then getting blood from the heart to pump all the way up to the, you know, the brain and back down. And I was like, oh, yeah, that must be a crazy challenge and like how how that actually works you have a whole new appreciation for for creatures absolutely it reminded me a bit there's a youtube there's an occasionally updated youtube series called true facts about animals or something where this dude puts on (laughs) this funny comedy accent and explains weird and interesting facts about different uh creatures like the owl which appears in this uh in this show as well and like things like oh its ears are actually offset so that it can triangulate uh with echolocation it's you know its head has to swivel all the way around because its eyes are too large to move in their sockets and they explain all of these elements as well and how some animals that you wouldn't expect are related to one another or how the mechanics differ from uh you know from different species and like you said it's it's a really good basic and interesting introduction to zoology and and uh a little bit of like evolutionary biology it's all it's all very surface level stuff at this uh, at the uh outset but it is fascinating enough that i want to learn more about these things so i really enjoyed oh, it cool. it was as you said a very nice uh different take from a lot of the more serious shows that uh kind of populated most of the season yeah Agreed. So I I recommend it. I recommend anyone check it out. It's a lot of fun. Oh, nice. I'll pick it up there with uh, from there. So I saw the uh, second season of Doctor Stone, Stone Wars. Uh, Did you miss that ugly hair? It's back for season two. It's back. He's an onion, but he's a human. Uh, Yeah, he's. It's pretty much just more Doctor Stone. Uh, like, if you liked season one, you're going to like season two. Uh, the conflict between Senku and Tsukasa, like, the, the conflict between science and, like, sort of raw muscle, which they've been building up from early season one, comes to a head this uh, season and gets concluded. Uh, and it continues to have real science, even if this season's a little more action-focused than the previous one. Uh, honestly, I don't know whether I have too much to say against it. Like, it's, it's more Dr. Stone. <laughs> uh, if, if you like it, you're going to like this one. So, I don't know if there's anything specific to say about it other than that. Punch those lions. Do it. Does it uh, at least, like, introduce itself more in a more uh, friendly way than uh, Log Horizon? Is there a recap or anything? Uh, they occasionally kind of go through, like, here's how we got here. But also, it just kind of picks up. I don't, I don't really feel like there is much... I mean, they, they kind of recap, hey, the, the Sukasa Empire over there is bad. We need to fight them. But it doesn't, like, go through anything they did in the first season. So I mean, It hasn't been that long. That is true. It hasn't been nearly yeah. as much time. This one's definitely, like, you can you can remember what happened back then in broad strokes pretty easily. So, yeah, not really. No real recap. Nice. What's next? Uh, next up would be uh, Dota Dragon's Blood, which I know is not from Japan or technically an anime, but they call it an anime on Netflix, so I'm going to wedge it in here because it's the only other thing besides uh, our rolling review show that I watched this season. Um, Fair enough. And I got to say, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Knowing absolutely nothing about Dota, I was much more of a League guy myself back in the day. Team Forts and Ports. Forts and Ports. <laughs> Our strategy was basically just grinding wars of attrition. Make the enemy waste their time. But uh, (laughs) this is much more action-focused. There isn't a lot of time wastage. In fact, at the beginning, it feels like they're playing with a lot of different plot lines and trying to figure out exactly how they're all going to connect to each other. Even by the end of the season, it's a little bit touch-and-go. But it all comes together well enough that I am really down for a second season, and I want to know what... uh, what happens again knowing nothing about dota maybe it completely butchers the characterization but i thought that it did a really good job there's some top quality voice acting 
Um, the action's gen generally pretty good. The CG is, eh, it's a little bit of a mixed bag here and there, but generally speaking, it's uh, at least as good as, you know, most uh, shows of a similar vein. Think uh, Netflix Castlevania is probably the easiest show to compare it to. Um, oh, nice, okay. And there is some genuinely great comedic timing in some of the reactions that happened. There was, there was one moment where, like, both my fiance and I burst out laughing because like someone's we, we had to rewind. We laughed over the next several uh several lines. Um That's a good of, sign. Because of how sharp it was. Um but yeah, no, just generally really good. If you like kind of fantasy action and don't mind a little bit of uh a little bit of the violence, it's uh it's quite well made and it does some very interesting things with very you know, think of you think of a lot of uh, fantasy settings, and there's, you know, there's gods, and there's wizards, and there's all these really super powerful deities and other uh, beings running around, and they either, like, show up as kind of, like, force of nature type uh, things that are really just there to either be defeated or get smashed against, or they're really no different from anyone else, and it's just a power level thing. In this, it actually dives into some of the motivations and feelings between some of these really, really powerful uh, beings, one of which is a goddess. There's another character who is so powerful, he is bordering on godhood. Like, if people annoy him, he just teleports them away until they cool off and then calls them back. It's that kind <laughs> of a thing. Um, and the relationship between them, other mortals, and things that they have done and why, you know, what is a god um, kind of becomes not really a central point, but is a facet of one of the characters' uh, arcs, and I am fascinated to see how they address that in the upcoming season, considering where we left off. There's, it's not a cliffhanger, but it is, a, it is an absolute sea change from where we started. Sounds pretty so, good. Yeah. I only watched episodes one and two, but I did want to watch more. And I I don't think you mentioned it, but it's it's Studio Mirror. So if you guys oh, yeah, were yeah. into Korra or Voltron, I mean, it's beautiful to look at. Oh, nice. They do a wonderful job. Very well produced. Yeah, all in all, just a, a really so a really solid show. It's only eight episodes, so it's pretty easy to uh, to blitz through in a weekend if you feel like it, or uh, you know, just pick it up over a week. So, yeah, check it out if you're interested in, like I said, some action fantasy, if you're a fan of Dota, or even if you're not. It's, uh, it's, pretty, good. it's pretty good about kind of getting you up to speed with everything you need to know without making it feel like they're forcing in, like, any of the MOBA aspect of it. I was going to ask how they handled, like, uh, experience denial by killing your own dudes. <laughs> Nothing as far as I am... No, that never comes up as far as I'm aware, though there are some people who care more or less about casualties on their own side, depending on who you're asking. Anyway, uh, what, uh, what's up next? Yeah, so uh, I picked up a show called uh, So I'm a Spider, So What? Uh, so, so what, would, Scott? So what? So what? Uh, this, would, this would be an isekai in the... Kind of like... The reincarnated is a slime where, you know, someone ends up as a sort of a weak monster and has to survive and get stronger in a world that has a lot of RPG underpinnings. Uh, it's fun to watch. It lives up to, you know, the predecessor, like reincarnated is a slime's interesting ideas, but it also brings a lot of its own ideas to the table, uh, which I appreciated. There's some surprisingly compelling twists uh, in this show that are definitely going to hold my interest into the show's second core. Uh, I think it's just rolling directly into it. Uh, I quite like the protagonist. Uh, she's fun to watch. She just kind of yells her thoughts at all times in increasingly tough and panicky situations. So you're kind of like, ah, oh, you end up rooting for her. Like, all right, how's she going to pull this one out? Uh, Is it now, just the cast of characters that makes it better, Scott? Because like, you watch a lot of isekai. Give us something sure that sets, sets this one apart because... Sure. So I think the the neat one about this is so yeah, this person's this this monster. Uh, it appears that an entire class of kids got isekai'd simultaneously. Uh, most of them ended up as humans in like sort of traditional isekai roles, like prince of a country or whatever. Uh, but like this one ended up as a monster. One of them ended up as a dragon. It's possible some of them are on the other side of a war with demons. Uh, but there's 
like some there might be some like I don't want to say like time travel shenanigans going on, but there might be like two different points in time that are being given to you at the same time. So it's it's hard to tell how they intersect with each other, but it's a really interesting idea. Uh, and also like, you know, you're kind of sticking with this spider character for most of the show and you, you know, you're like, all right, yeah, go get him. Uh, but like occasionally you see what it looks like from an outsider's perspective and like it's just this horrifying spider monster. <laughs> so like the point of view seems to matter as well. Uh, I don't know. They're doing a lot of neat stuff. Uh, in terms of anything I would say against it, like so you've got the there are parts of the show that aren't about the spider, like the human characters get their own, I would say, near parody amount of time with the spider. Not quite, maybe like 40 percent, 60 percent or something. But they just aren't as interesting as the spider parts. You're just kind of like, yeah, this is great and all, but when are we going to get back to the, you know, to the spider in the dungeon? Uh, perhaps part of this is that, so the spider in all sequences involving her are like fully 3D, you know, computer models. It's pretty decent. Not amazing. The human characters are all more or less 2D animated and they just, the animation is just like odd in a way I can't really put a finger on like i don't know what it is but they all look not good not not great somehow their action scenes are also extremely disorienting like someone was really cranking it up on a, I don't know like weird camera angles and rapid cuts between things and it it's kind of confusing to watch whereas it's the spider jarring. stuff is pretty straightforward was it it just feels jarring yeah, kind of jarring. You're just kind of like, what What just happened? Like, could we stop for a second so I can understand what just happened in this action scene? Where are these things happening in relation to each other? It's it's not even that. Like, it'll usually be like one, you know, one-on-one -on -one fight. So you have a decent idea of what's going on. But like, a character will attack another character and then they'll cut to a different view of it. And like, it'll be upside down. And you're like, what, what are you trying to tell me with these shots? Like... <laughs> I'm just confused. It's just Your two language people of fighting with swords. Um, <laughs> I was actually curious because uh, I we I watched a bunch of um, uh, reincarnated as a slime after the fact, uh, mm. just out of curiosity because you know I'd heard some good things about it. But after a while, I was like, just I really started falling off of it because between the power creep and the like seemingly inability for him to not just make friends and allies at any at the every uh turn i felt like there was no challenge or interest left in it um so i was wondering in this how is that power creep handled is it, it you know is it not as bad because you know they just stick as a spider this entire time uh so mm, it's actually an interesting answer uh so like i would say like the power creep in this show is like very very much part of it like sure they're a spider but there's like sort of evolution from one form to the next kind of as an idea for monsters so like she keeps getting more and more powerful versions of being a spider like you know then there's magic and like she can learn crazy skills like there's definitely huge power creep but in a way it's sort of built into like the narrative like like at one point she becomes powerful enough that she gains like taboo knowledge of how the world is set up and like that is now informing her decisions so it's sort of i don't know it's built in in a really interesting way yeah she's getting more powerful it never felt like when she took on an enemy like it was going to be an easy fight though like generally it's just been like a ramp up of more and more powerful enemies to fight uh so I don't know. It's there, but it's not. It's it's handled much better. Also, no one's making friends with anyone. <laughs> like it, she's basically stuck in like a labyrinth. Like basically, think a deep dungeon you'd have in an RPG with like levels that get harder and harder as you go down. And like everything in there is out to kill you. Right. There's no one to make friends with, so it's pretty much like her on her own. The human characters have a little more like teamwork stuff. But I'd recommend it. If you if you like to reincarnate as a slime, this is like that, uh, but has a lot of interesting new ideas. Yeah. Eh, whatever. So what? Let's move on. So what? <laughs> um, I've got one that's kind of a cheat uh, on account of 
it's a show that has decided to air its episodes monthly. Oh. So, well, that's rather so, odd. Does that so mean right it's now there's finished only two or? Of them. What? No. <laughs> I mean, I just thought I'd bring it up because I haven't watched much else this season. Probably not going to mention it until it concludes at this point, but uh, since it just started out. Um, unlike other shows that I know that aired monthly, uh, which were sort of high concept pieces that took our spots like Figure 17 and Katana Katari, uh, this show, which is translated as Kyo in Kyoto from the Maiko house, is only half hour episodes. And I will say that the animation in it is very economical <laughs> uh, in terms of there's not a lot of movement that happens in it. Having said that, a lot of the art is quite good. Uh, any like still shot is uh, nice to look at. Um, oh, cool. All right. And the episodes are sort of series of, uh, of shorts about two girls that moved from the north of Japan to Kyoto, the old capital, uh, in order to become Maiko, which, if I understand correctly, are apprentice geisha or something. I'm not 100% sure like what the deal is, honestly. Uh, but it's some sort of like ceremonial dancers or... Like it's a, it's a yeah, Brendan. A high um, art on Netflix. They have this Japanese panel show. My husband and I watched some time, and they did a whole segment about Maikos who work at a shrine. Um, you know, and they help collectors. They help keep the shrine clean, and they do yeah a special special dance before prayer. So I believe you're correct. I'm gonna have to watch that. It was it was pretty fun and very enlightening because I had never heard of heard of that job before. So. Do they, the whole plot. do they get into their oh. job a lot in the show, or is it more like secondary compared to like I don't know their relationship with each other? Um, for now, it is yes. Uh, the sort of crux of the show is that of the two girls, one of them is really really good at uh, what it is expected of her at this point in her career, which is just beginning, and the other one dropped out almost immediately. Uh, but she hangs on as the live-in chef, so she still sort of is around the house and she interacts with her friend a lot huh. it's very cute brendan i just want to say before we move on to the next show unless you have something else to say like kyo and kyoto from the maiko house like it almost sounds like it's some japanese version of disney channel like the house of mouse <laughs> the house of maiko you're watching <laughs> kyo and kyoto on the house of mouse <laughs> <laughs> a little Disney symbol appears. I don't that maybe just my brain is weird at this hour. Anyway, it sounds adorable. It is. Like it's uh a lot of what was I gonna say? A lot of like what they it, it appears to be animated on like using 3D as a basis. Uh which I don't know. I find a lot more noticeable than some people, I think. But other than that. Uh, like I said, because it doesn't happen a whole lot, <laughs> it's easy to take in. It's an interesting concept for an anime. All right, we're going to make this animation. The key is going to be to limit the amount of animation. Do a lot of stills. Like, and then, and then still only release it every month. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's maybe it's the new way to do it on a budget and possibly with humane working conditions. So, just to see I how mean, it does. Definitely, uh, thumbs up for that if it's happening. Yeah, let's hope it is. All right. Uh, I'll go for the next one, which is uh, Skate the Infinity. Uh, Something that sounds like it had a lot more animation in it. This has a lot of animation in it. Um, it's basically a, like a, like think like a sports anime, but, you know, in, it's about individuals because it's skateboarding. Uh, the, the setup is basically there's this underground, unsanctioned skateboarding competition mountain uh we're, we're like <laughs> okay, really minute, crazy minute, minute, minute. characters it was fight show. club until you said the word mountain like you threw that I mean, in there at the very end i mean well, it's it basically D. like it's like an abandoned mining thing on a mountain and they basically skate down the old roads okay uh, mountain fight club got it <laughs> mountain yeah, fight how club. much <laughs> how much euro beat is there <laughs> uh 
it it looks great i mean the animation quality is really top notch uh it's a fun show like i like all of the characters like everyone sort of has like their normal selves and what i'll call like their skate sona like they all get ridiculous (laughs) names and like they dress up ridiculous like there's a guy who's like he's like this mild-mannered flower shop guy by day and then by night he puts on like uh i don't know like kiss makeup and calls himself shadow and like he's just like the heel of this organization like he'll throw little bombs at you and like use laser pointers to like knock people off their skateboards and like he he, every time he shouts a ridiculous attack name he's like gladiolus laser because you know he's a flower guy so gladiolus i don't know i like him a lot uh like pretty much there's no one in the show i don't like even the villain this guy named adam is so completely over the top uh but he he like he owns it i guess he's this uh he's got this like matador of love theme uh to everything about him his skateboard has giant horns on it like <laughs> because that's practical yes it's practical like he has he has like vampire teeth even though he's obviously not a vampire like he's basically jojo's dio but he's a skateboarding villain like amazing <laughs> Uh, like the show doesn't have any plot beats you're not going to see coming, but it executes on everything it does just perfectly. So, if you like, want to watch dudes skate down a mountain and ri- with ridiculous, like quote unquote abilities, <laughs> this is the show for you. Yeah, and like I am obviously not a skateboarder, but uh, from what I've seen, like they do know their stuff. Like they talk about, you know, real, their normal stuff. They go into the details of building different size skateboards and what the advantages and disadvantages are. Because like one of the guys is sort of like a like a mechanic. Um, What's the advantage know, they, of having bullhorns on your skateboard, Scott? <laughs> that is that is the major advantage. Okay. Uh, aerodynamic. Purely psychological. Aerodynamic advantage. All right. <laughs> of course. Doesn't cause drag. Not at all. Now, Scott, are there actual powers? Like when I watch, you know, like Saki. And it was just so ridiculous the way these girls had superpowers as they played Mahjong. Like, does Matador guy, like, I don't know, can he, I don't spin around while he's doing his attacks or something? Oh, my God. Okay. I'm glad you asked. Um, I'm, people do, I'm like, so no excited. one has an attack that, I don't know, seems completely out of the realm of possibility. But, like, people do call out, like, attack names. Like, because it's, it's basically no holds barred skateboarding. Like, you can, you can attack the other person. And like his his super move is called he calls it the love hug and it's basically this move where he spins around and comes at you even though you're coming downhill, and like there's a whole sequence devoted to explaining how this is possible, uh, and, and like what it you know what he's trying to do. So like I'm unclear if it could actually work, but they made it sound pretty convincing uh, that it, that it could happen. But yeah, nobody's I don't know nobody's flying. I guess like there's nothing. That seems completely impossible, just very unlikely. Wow. Uh, which I guess I appreciate. So Tony Hawk's pro initial D fight club on a mountain. Fight club. On Got a it. Mountain. Got yeah. it. Um, I mean, I should mention uh, it's by the guys who did free. Like all the, all the characters are definitely guys. Like that's sort of the flavor of this. So you might be in it for that. I mean, I wasn't even for that and I still loved it. Like if it wasn't for Wonder Egg Priority, this would be show of the season for me. Uh, I can't think of a single negative thing to say about it, except that it hasn't ended yet. Like there's one episode that comes out like tomorrow, uh, from when we're recording. So, but I like everything I'm seeing says they're going to stick to landing perfectly. There's, there's not too many things left to resolve. Like it's going to be fine. That's awesome. You always manage to find this nonsense, don't you? Like Mike rap anima, something, something, (laughs) this one, you always are sniffing the crazy out. You gotta get the get the crazy sometimes, but uh, yeah, thoroughly recommended. What okay, else we let's, got? let's let's um, shift. before we move on. Uh, uh, oh sure. Uh, real quick, there was one thing I forgot to mention about from the Myco House, and that is that it's a huge chunk of the show is uh, dedicated to food. Oh oh huh oh yeah I guess she's a chef so like sense. after every after every short there uh, there's a little bit of them sitting at a table talking about like the recipe. Ooh. Oh, that's cool. Which uses even less animation. <laughs> <laughs> so clever. Brilliant, brilliant budget saving tips for your everyday life. But, um, it, you know, also interesting there from a culinary perspective, in, in addition to whatever the Mica were up to. 
Nice. Anyway. Fascinating. Um, well, both of those sound so much better than what I'm about to, to go into, because we're going to shift Uh-oh. from culinary masterpieces and budget saving and, you know, skate the hotness infinity to abuse, because that's, that's what this show is. So let's talk about Attack on Titan, the final season. So, I notice you have final in quotations there. Yeah, I, you know what? I do, Dan. I do. When we wrote our list of what we watched, yeah, I did, okay? Because, oh man. So just just some quick backstory. Like My husband and I got into Attack on Titan because I just had to know. Uh, I made sure to watch it after uh, like the season one hype had finished. So we watched season one, you know, after most people had watched it. We watched season two along with everybody else. So we, we got on the train at season two, I would say. And this show, it, it draws you in and then it just kicks you around and then you walk away from it and you're like, this was bad for me. I should just stop because the plot's not going anywhere. The pacing's awful. This is stupid. And then like you go back because you're like, no, no, I got to know. And then, and then it pulls the ultimate, like, moment. And it's like, this, baby, this is the final season. And you're like, oh, thank goodness. Like, it's done now. Resolution. Yeah, I can I can be done with this. Um, like, I hate this. This stupid show. So first of all, if you're not catching my drift, this doesn't end. It ends on a giant-ass cliffhanger where they said they're going to do the final epi- final episode, more quote like bigger quotations. I don't sometime in winter of 2022. I don't even That's know. That's a long wait. I don't even know that I have the emotional energy to wait like for that. I'm debating whether or not I want to read the the manga the final volume of manga which drops. I never read any of the manga. I just mean like the synopsis and be like I'm done with this. We're done here. But anywho, um, the show starts off strong. It really looks like it's going somewhere. It only has 16 episodes, by the way. And about midway through the show, it starts to, like, deviate and add all these weird political plot points. And my husband and I are like, no, no, <laughs> no, we don't have time. Add stuff at no, this no, no, point. no, 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 we don't have time for any of this. And... Oh man, it just it just goes berserk and it drags out the mystery of what, you know, Zeke and Aaron are doing for a ton of episodes and it has a bunch of political nonsense with people almost joining like this cultist personality against the military and I don't know, guys. I mean, it's it's a mess to tell you the truth. It has the same nonsense uh pacing issues as season 1. There's still cool action sequences. Personally, I don't know why they took it away from Studio Wit and gave it to Studio Mappa. I don't want to speak ill of Studio Mappa, but the show does not look nearly as good uh, anymore, especially all the Titans are now done in this blocky CG, which really takes you out of the moment. Um, Studio Wit really, I mean, just did a beautiful job, and you, you learn to appreciate them having watched this final season. Um, the one thing I do want to compliment it on, if you were following along, basically, uh, Marleyan, the Marleyan area is effectively, like, Nazi Germany, and, uh, the, the Eldians who are trapped in the Marleyan territory are effectively, like, what brainwashed Hitler youth, and the way they handle these two characters who are Hitler youth characters uh, one of them especially, the, the the loudmouth bratty girl Gabby, and just dealing with her, like, deprogramming, uh, really powerful stuff. I was very hmm. impressed at the writing of it, the way they really felt like, you know, actual Hitler youth. Uh, so, you know, solid, solid writing in those moments. But I guess what I'll end with is I had always said, even though this was a dumb thing to say, it's like doing it for uh, Game of Thrones. I was like, if they kill my favorite character... I will hate this show forever. And she made it all the way to this season. And then they killed her off. And I was like, you schmucks. So I hate this show forever. And uh, I think it's going to be a debate for me as to whether or not I want to kind of wait that long. And I'm still in a debate that they can finish it in one episode. I personally think this show has just gotten too big for its britches. It needs to end and we need something else to take its place. 
because it's it's nonsense. I'm sick of, you know, being on this hype train. I think this show is is just a pacing disaster. It needs to be done. And I'm really angry that they lured us in with the final season and then didn't finish. So personally, I would say stay away from it until if you're someone who's only watched the anime and you're not a manga reader, stay away from it until the whole kit and caboodle comes out. Hmm. Pretty strong warning there. Yep. That's too bad. So who's got something better than that that doesn't abuse you? Uh, you know, I've got uh, the second season of uh, Reincarnated as a Slime. Which I'm I sensing a theme with you, Scott. Is it is it isekais? But it's it's good isekais, so like it's fine, right? Yep. Right? Yeah. Yep. But Scott, you're isekai trash. You That's are like trash. Your thing. Yeah. Yes. You're a trash panda. Me. I mean, I just happened to get lucky this time. You know how it is. Uh, I'm sure next time there's going to be something stupid and horrible. Uh, so it's the second season of the of the show. It uh, it kind of has a return to what made the original season really good, which is to say, like, the main character slime guy trying to build a nation of monsters in some really intense fights. Kind of like towards the end of season one, there'd been this, this arc where, I don't know, nothing was really happening. And you're kind of like, where are we going with this? first episode of season two just wraps that up and it's like all right let's get back to what everyone was actually watching the show for uh it continues to look really good uh explores some pretty cool ideas I, I was in general i would say i enjoyed it quite a bit like it was it was back to what it, what you were there for uh now, however as dan has sort of mentioned the good guys do feel kind of way too powerful compared to their enemies uh, this does sort of solve the he makes friends with everyone problem. Like there's there's definitely like a major nation uh, that ends up attacking them like pretty early on. Uh, they don't make friends with them, certainly. But after sort of the initial shock, they're just sort of, you know, it's it's nearly trivial for them to take care of this problem. And this sort of extends, I don't know, beyond the that into, I guess, like, even the even the fights like there's very few fair matchups or even close to fair the fights are largely one-sided which doesn't make things terribly dramatic you know like like one carefully fighting another like here's my most powerful super attack that i've been honing over hundreds of years and the other character will be like and eh, that hurt a little bit now taste my attack which can like obliterate a mountain and you're like all right but like do we need this level of power creep the mountain, no! Skate the infinity! I know, my skate mountain. There's just a big hole through it now. Thanks, Millim. <laughs> uh, also, there's kind of like a bunch of new skills and powers that seem like they're getting pulled out of nowhere, which, at least for season one, hadn't really been the flavor. Like, the characters sort of acquired abilities and then would use them. And you're like, yeah, I remember when he got that. Now it's like, I've got this crazy spell that could kill everybody. You're like, where did you learn that spell? Like, how do you even know that? was one of the uh, random dragons you ate. Right. Actually, Dragon Guy, uh, right at the end of the show there, finally is a character again after, like, you know, not being one since episode two of the first season. <laughs> so they're kind of back. Uh, I think if there's a specific moment that I was like, hmm. So one of the, uh, they have this villain character who's, like, another isekai from, from Earth. Uh, and she has this superpower that makes other people believe her false accusations. Uh, and in this case, it was like, oh, I've been inappropriately touched by that person over there. And like, really? That's your power? It seems tone deaf, I'm going to say. Was this not the exact same plot as that other uh, as that other fantasy show from uh, a couple seasons ago? Well, yeah, like Rising of the Shield Hero sort of had that as a core component of its main plot. Uh, this is, I don't know, like, it just seems weird to have it as an ability. And have it be have it take such center stage. Like, where were you going with this? But oh, on the whole, I'm enjoying I'm enjoying the show quite a bit. But it does have its drawbacks. Scott, I don't care about any of that. What's most important to me is: Would you mm. rather be reincarnated as a slime or as a spider monster? Oh. You only get two choices because you only gave us two. I only gave you two. Oh, that's. That's tough. Uh, you could also choose to be cast into stone for a thousand years. I'll give you that option know. if you can't pick. Oh, I go Dr. Stone style? 
I would probably pick the Dr. Stone one. It's a pretty fun place. Sheesh. That's that's isolating. I would have gone well, with spider. I don't know. Slime just seems like all gelatinous and nasty. Mm, that's true. Yeah, you gotta gotta watch out for that. You gotta get all your food by absorbing it. Maybe a little gross. All right. At least as a spider, you just embalm things and suck the juices out of them. You know, the normal way. Yeah, exactly. You know. Now this more, spider just just normal. eats with her teeth. Ah, wait. Why does it have teeth? Uh, who's to say? So it can eat the delicious bento boxes, then. Yeah, I think actually a big part of that show is, like, eating stuff to stay alive, and it's like, most of it tastes horrible. That's hilarious. Speaking of eating stuff, but actually not eating stuff at all, let's take another side picnic. Um, Nice. I know, you like my segue? I tried so hard. That was was a great segue. I know, solid, solid. Um, All right, so other side picnic is man how do i it's it's like the x-files um Hmm. but with these these two girls who uh toriko and sarao they discover this i guess hidden pathway to a whole other world that they have dubbed the other side uh crazy creatures from urban myths potentially real japanese urban myths exist over here and they kind of just keep going over there, have to find Toriko's ex-girlfriend and have to just collect random stuff and sell it to this weird girl who lives in a mansion in the middle of the woods. I know I'm making this sound very odd, but that's exactly what the show is. It's it's, it's a very odd show. It's a very odd show. Um I'm actually going to steal and, and give full credit to Anime News Network because I think this dis- their description is just fantastic. They're like, what if the show, what if there was a show that was Daphne and Velma go on ridiculous mystery, urban mystery adventures, and also they maybe want to smooch? And I was like, yes, this is the exact like description of this show. So yeah, I, I would say that's really what it is. Um, and they just, they encounter some urban legend or potentially multiple urban legends in an episode and have to kind of to deal with it. Um, I thought the show was a little bit fun in the beginning. Um, it, it made me think of you, Dan, believe it or not, because the way these girls solve their problems in the other side is with gun <laughs> is with guns. <laughs> They're uh. like, oh no, there's some crazy urban legend like thing. Shoot it with a shotgun. <laughs> Like I said, mundane solutions to magical problems. It is the best way of doing things. Yeah, so these girls are constantly carrying handguns. Uh, Toriko's half Canadian, and her mother was in the Canadian military, so that's why she knows how to shoot guns. But, uh, you know, it's part of her character, and I was just like, okay, that's fine. But they, yeah, they, they have to use guns. I mean, later on, they get some mystical item that like helps them do some things, but for the most part, yeah, they have to solve their problems with tanks and guns and you know, normal people stuff. Uh, and throwing rocks at things sometimes. Throwing rocks at things, right. They do get, like like I said, a mystical ability of some sort, but that just kind of vaguely helps them, you know, get through the other side. Uh, just a few quick items. While the show is fun, it's, it's very vignette-esque. I mean, there is the running idea that we're looking for Toriko's ex-girlfriend and poor Sarao just wants to be Toriko's new girlfriend. And you're like, Toriko, stop talking about your ex all the time in front of your new girlfriend. Get with it. Uh, worst date ever. I feel there's a lot of pining. Yeah, like, Soro yeah. is kind of just, like, so close. Like, she'll get there and be like, oh, we're having a moment. And then Toriko will be like, I'm still searching for Satsuki. Satsuki is my most important person. You're like, woman, woman, let's not talk about your ex-girlfriend on your date with your new girlfriend in Danger Zone. Okay, come on. Get with yeah, it. You two need to work together to get out of here. Hello, Max. Like, as as Scott, as you put it, like, desire to smooch intensifies as the episodes go go on. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's really fun. Anywho, um, the the show has a very bizarre uh, budget issue where it'll have two characters, like the two characters, moving in two D animation, and we'll come to a sequence where they have to do something very minor, like we reach a hill and we just have to jump down, and the show will cut. <laughs> into like ugly CG conversions of these characters. They'll do a little hop down the hill and then boom, smash cut back to them being in 2D. 
So I'm kind of unclear what the budget was, but I think it wasn't yeah, like, very high for any sort of action sequence. Yeah, you know, like maybe they were running these things in parallel and they're like, all right, we'll handle the scene like specifically when they climb down a ladder and you'll do all the rest or whatever and we'll just run the computer in parallel with the people drawing. But like, it looks really janky. It does, yeah. It looks incredibly janky. And um, to me personally, Scott, I'll give you the floor in a second, but I thought that the show had very lazy writing. I think in the beginning it was fun and they were kind of exploring a new urban myth, which had a central theme, each vignette. And then later on, it just gets into dumb territory. Like the urban legends are just kind of stupid and or they show up just when they need them they're like oh my gosh it's just like that one time with this urban legend i'm making up right now that i somehow know the solution to because i read it on an online net board and you're like okay <laughs> like it wasn't even set up in the beginning it's just i know this urban legend right now which will get us out of this situation okay thanks and it felt really lazy and really the, the word i have for it is disjointed i feel like the show is incredibly just all over the place and ultimately i would not recommend it i think it's one of those shows i'm just gonna sort of let out of my brain at a point in time and vaguely recall but i don't recommend it hmm oh uh, yeah so for my thing like and yeah what did i like i mean i liked the two of them i like the way that the like the other side looks and reacts to stuff like it is weird and occasionally unsettling or creepy which i mean that's kind of what you're here for it is like semi-supernatural horror uh i found the sense of humor in the show to be pretty good if it was even though it was kind of understated like it doesn't come up much but i was at least chuckling along with it in terms of disjointed yeah like even within an episode or a scene like you'll have cuts within the scene that leave you unsure of what's going on where things are in relation to each other and especially what the distance is between things like they'll be being chased by something and it's like is it right behind them or not? Because, like, now they've stopped for a while to talk, and it's sort of still running at them. Like, it, 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 it's, it's always just far enough away. And I think that played into the feeling of, like, there really isn't a plot, a coherent mythos, or even any consequences for the main characters, even though the situations they're in are often deadly for other people. You just sort of have to accept that you're in for a thrill ride with them, and it's all about their adventures, and also that it, there's no, you're not going to really learn anything about the other side or any overarching plot at all. It's just kind of like vignette of the week. Uh, what, what situation will they find themselves in? You know they're going to get out of it uh, without a scratch. And when are they going to smooch, dang it? And when are they going to smooch? It does, like the show did end without resolution to either that or the like, where's my ex-girlfriend plot. So it kind of seems like they want you know, another season or something. Uh, I would give it like like a tepid recommendation, sort of like it might be what you're in for if you like supernatural horror or like an X-Files feel. Uh, but yeah, it's not like a strong recommendation. All right. There you go. Okay, and now, drum roll, it's time. For the, the show of the season. Show of the season. Uh, Wonder Egg Priority. Uh, the weirdest yeah. name. And uh, first thing out of the gate, I mean, no show looks better than this show this season. Holy moly. All, yeah. all the effort was pumped into this show. It's beautiful. It looks real good. Looks real good. Um, it also hits like a truck. <laughs> it's it's a very emotional, deep show. Um, the premise is basically that, what do I say, there's, there's a group of girls who go to a place, this almost like Utna-like garden. They go to a vending machine and they get eggs. Uh, these eggs hatch and there are girls that come out of these eggs that they have to defend from metaphorical monsters that represent trauma in their life that caused them to commit suicide oh boy yeah 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 the hatching is a is this a happens dream, in their dreams like, the hatching um brendan shh, that's kind of spoilery um the 
the the premise the other part of the premise is that all of these girls participate in this uh this event or this action because they themselves are trying to they've been told that a important person in their life who has committed suicide will come back to life if they defend enough of these girls and all of them feel that they've played a hand in uh you know their friend's suicide so they they partake in this action out of an extreme sense of duty and, and guilt um yeah, kind of different for each character too, which I thought was was you know really interesting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And each each girl reacts to it a little differently, but you know, there's the, really that strong tie of we all feel guilt in some way. We feel responsible for for the death of this person. Um, I mean, suicide plays obviously like a huge role in in the show. Uh, it's really rough, and it definitely I think like nails the. You know, I've never had anyone in my life who committed suicide, thankfully, but I think it, it nails what must be the feeling of I wish I knew type of thing. Like, never once do these girls get a moment where, you know, their their friend, I don't know, has like a dream sequence talk to them or they get any inkling of really why this this person chose, you know, that path. I think it's this endless... Like, why did they pick this? Why did they leave me stuck with their problems in a way? Like, now I am obligated out of guilt to do this and, and help them. And I don't, I don't really want to, but I want to because, you know, it's, it's this messy dynamic of, of what I feel like must really be some of the thought process that, that goes behind having someone in your life. Uh, commit suicide so it's it's really heavy stuff and the show you know has these moments that are kind of light where the girls like have a sleepover once in a, I think one time but it's a heavy heavy show <laughs> like it hits, yeah but it's also it's like interesting truck. that I think that it's like it is emotional and really compelling but it's in a way that it feels like you're saying like really like grounded in the real world and in real world problems because like in a, in a way this is like a magical girl show like kind of ish in, in the way its genre is set up but it's there's a lot of serious magical girl shows out there this one feels more grounded in the real world than any of them do which i thought was a really interesting take yeah and i think it tackles issues that like you said just anyone could fall prey to right like bullying and body image issues and gender issues it's the first time i've seen a show tackle something like that and do it really well like there's one character who's one of our lead girls who's who's sort of struggling identity wise, gender identity wise, and it's it's very compelling. So uh if you're watching, by the way, it got kind of careened off schedule and the last episode airs in June, so maybe worth a wait to June, but only for the purposes of being able to watch it all together, like the highest recommendation for the show. Yeah, the show is excellent. Uh, man, the opening theme, by the way, I want to give a shout out to that. It's just achingly lovely. Like, it tugs at my heart, and I don't even know why. Like, it's really good. I also have a suspicion it's sung by the voice actresses who voice the four girls. I haven't looked that mm. up properly, but I feel like I can hear each of their voices in it, which makes it mm, I agree. Like even more emotional. Brendan, I don't know yeah. if you have anything else to add to it, but I thought it was it was beautiful and amazing and, and watch this show right now. Get on it. Or, or wait till June and just have the whole thing in a package. Yeah. Two episodes of Kyo and Kyoto was not enough cushion. <laughs> I probably should have been watching Heaven's Design Team mm, or something. Yeah, as understandable. Well. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, it's like, rough. It gets pretty dark. <laughs> but the highest praise for its writing and its and its art and yeah, it was a solid one to end on. Yeah, definitely. And I'm really hoping for that episode. Like, I think they closed the show as well as they could given the circumstances. Like, they wrap up sort of a really important personal character arc, like perhaps the one you're most invested in, uh, even though they haven't wrapped up the overall plot. So they did a good job of ending it where they did in the hopes of getting another episode or a movie or something, which it sounds like they will. So that's really good. Yep, I am 
eagerly awaiting June to see the finale. So yes. All right. Well, that's all she wrote. Uh, tune in next time. Yeah. Have a good one, folks. Bye. This is a podcast by the con artists. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to us on iTunes or your Android podcast app of choice. For more anime and game-related content, please visit us online at theconartistsblog.com. Thanks for listening.